Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. You know, I like to start with a bit of humour. Keep us all kind of relaxed and free and easy. This little old lady was returning from Bible study one night. She got into a house and she found a burglar there. She immediately shouted, Acts 2, verse 38, at the burglar. I'll come back to that in a minute. The burglar immediately dropped his goods, stood there and waited for the police to arrive. The policeman asked him, why did you not run after she shouted a scripture at you? She said, scripture? He said, scripture? I thought she said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptised. Praise God, eh? How's that for you, start? Over the last few weeks, I've felt that God has been taking me in a, in a specific direction, challenging me to, to share a few thoughts, uh, a few thoughts about how God feels for his people, especially his people here in Pointham. And this morning I want to start by looking back and reminding you of a, of a couple of sermons that I did pre-COVID, I think it would have been now. The first was about the great explorer Columbus and his voyage in 1492 to the new land. And, but more importantly, I want to remind you about his sense and adventure and drive that he had. When in his diary, he wrote at the end of every day, no matter how the day had gone, whether it had been bad or good or whatever, he wrote these words, we sailed on. If you remember, the message was about whatever Satan throws at us in life, whatever it is, we've got to keep our heads down, our elbows out, and keep moving forward. Sail on is what Columbus said. And then the second sermon I want to remind you about was that the, 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 I spoke about Joshua and his spirit of conquest. That same spirit that needs to be in us this morning. And that whether we like it or not, we are in a fight. All of us here this morning need to understand that in our Christian lives, we, they will be filled with, with challenges and conflict and then conflict and challenges until the day that our Lord returns for us. You see, the enemy of our soul will constantly be waging war against us. But the important thing for us to remember is this, this morning. We are on the winning side. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And we must always remember that we fight from victory. Victory is already ours. But what we are fighting for is to stay in the fight until he returns for us. And this morning I want to finish my thoughts with a word of encouragement, a word of uplifting, and a word 
uh, for every soul here today. You see, I believe this morning that God wants to tell us that we, that's you and me, we here this morning are mighty men and women of God. The other day I was thinking about this. What a mighty God we serve. And I remembered that old chorus back in the day when we used to sing, What a mighty God we serve. Good answer. What a mighty God. Because we were doing Eurovision last night. We serve. Do you remember it? Do you know what? Thank you. Do we get the interview for the choir then or what? No. Do you know what I sometimes think? That we forget just how mighty our God really is. And do you want to know something this morning? We are not serving some wooden statue that sits on a pedestal. We are not serving some dead relic who cowers in fear or refuses to answer us. You see, our God fights for what is right, what is just, and what is good. He's not shaken by our circumstances. He's not shaken by our troubles because his battle plans are already completed. And do you know what? And I've already said it this morning. The victory is won before the battle has even begun. And I believe that this church, Point in Christian Fellowship, that's us, as a group, and each of us individually, who are saved, who know Jesus, who are living for God, we cannot be defeated. I'll say that again so you understand. We cannot be defeated by the devil unless we throw up our arms and surrender. Unless we give in. Unless we walk away. Praise God. Today I want to chat about mighty men and women of God. Because that is what we are. We just might not realize it this morning. Today I want to chat about mighty men of perseverance, mighty men of principle, and mighty men of passion. And as you can gather, today's sermon I have called Mighty Men. I'm unique, aren't I? (laughs) 2 Samuel 23, verses 8 to 12. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says this, These are the names of the mighty men whom David had, Joseph Basabet, the Takmonite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnit because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aohit, one of the three mighty men with David when he defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararit. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop and there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. 
But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. May the Lord add his blessing to that word. I tell you what, the pages of the Old Testament don't half contain some of the most amazing stories you'll ever read anywhere, don't they? You don't need to buy a Harry Potter book or a Lord of the Rings book to get excited these days because all they will ever be is a fiction. But these Bible stories, amazing as they are, are true. Now, many of those stories revolve around a young shepherd boy who grew up to be a king. David was arguably the the greatest king Israel would ever know. But he didn't become great all on his own. Of course, he depended and he relied on God. but But while he was being hunted by Saul, David gradually built a fighting force of several hundred men to help him. Some were relatives, others were outcasts of society, many were in trouble with the law at that time, but they had one thing in common, complete devotion to David. And because of this, their achievements made them famous. And among these men were the elite few They were known as the 30 and also known as the three. And they were all, all heroes. And they all, they are all named in scripture. And you can find all about them in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 24 to 39. They were known as David's mighty men. And they themselves had accomplished some amazing feats. These Three, the, th- the three mighty men who formed David's inner circle, his closest friends were, and I've already mentioned them, Josheb Basabet, Eleazar, and Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararit. Three different men from three totally different backgrounds with one common good to serve the one they called king. As I thought about that, isn't that us today? Aren't we all from totally different backgrounds? Don't we all serve one we call king, Jesus? Here's something else. What made David's men so mighty? Well, they were close, they were committed, and they were courageous. Isn't that us today? I think we are close as a church. I think we are committed as a church. And I think, and you probably don't believe this this morning, but I think that we are courageous. Please believe that today. So today, let's have a look at these three mighty men of God. The first one is Josheb Basabet, a Benjaminite from Hakmon. He was mighty in perseverance. Perseverance. I thought a lot about that word. I read this story about this Christian called George Muller. One day he began praying for his five friends to be saved. After many months of prayer, one of them came to the Lord. 
He kept on praying. Ten years of prayer later, two more found Jesus. It took 25 years of prayer for the fourth man to be saved. Muller continued to persevere in prayer until his death for his fifth friend. And throughout those 52 years of prayer, he never gave up hoping, hoping that his friend would one day accept Jesus. His faith was rewarded, for soon after Muller's funeral, his fifth friend gave his life to Jesus. That's perseverance. Josheb was mighty in perseverance. He was chief of the captains, like a general in David's army. He was in charge of a division of men. And he was famous for slaying 800 soldiers at one time with his spear. How he accomplished this feat, the Bible doesn't really let us know. But it speaks volumes for his heroism and his courage this morning. So what do I mean when I say he was mighty in perseverance? The dictionary tells us that to persevere is to keep on striving, to, to persist steadily with endeavor, to carry on, or in this, as Columbus did, to sail on to the new world. That's perseverance, friends. Did you know that there was this guy called Harlan Sanders, age 65, somewhere around my age, a bit younger. He tried to, more than a thousand places, trying to sell his chicken recipe before he found someone interested in investing some money into his product. We know him as Colonel Sanders and we have KFC. In 52... <laughs> I know, lifeblood, isn't it? Hey, lifeblood. In 1952, he opened his first store in Kentucky, and now there's over 23,000 outlets. It's the second largest restaurant chain in the world. Perseverance! Did you know that Sylvester Stallone? Hello? No, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah. <laughs> Had been turned down over 500 times by agents before he found someone who would produce a story that he had written. The film became called Rocky, and the rest is history. Perseverance. Josheb was mighty in perseverance. And those who opposed Josheb outnumbered him 800 to 1. So he had to persevere. He had to keep on going. He had to continue to stand his ground in the fight. Now, in a similar kind of way, we might be facing extreme opposition at times in our lives as well. Maybe within our family, I know how tough it can be at times. It's so hard to talk to our families or discuss our faith when our families are unsaved. Maybe at work, I know that the workplace can be a, sometimes it can be a real tough place. It can make your life a misery. I was called Sunday Steve for years at work. I was also known as the bishop. Whenever I walked in here, oh, here's the bishop. <laughs> 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 I 
I know I look like one. Maybe even from our friends and our neighbours. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, we have to stand firm in these times. We have to persevere in these times. We have to realise that we are not in the majority. We are in the minority. The Bible says in Matthew 7 verse 14, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many, many go in by it. And it may seem at times that the, the odds are, are greater than we can even handle 800 to 1 in our story. It may seem at times that we need uh, that courageous faith that Joseph had. And I tell you now, friend, we've got it. But we also have to understand that our God is bigger than any opposition. Our God is bigger than any situation. Our God is bigger than any problems that we will ever face. And I've just got one more thing to say. What a mighty God we serve. The second one is Eleazar, son of Dodo. He was mighty in principle. He stood up for what is right before God, what is honourable before God, what is decent before God. They say a person without principle never draws much attention. Well, you can't say that about Eleazar. He was a principled man and he was not a quitter. Eleazar was from the tribe of Benjamin and he fought side by side with David against the Philistines. And while the rest of the Israeli army was doing a runner, he and David alone stood their ground. And the Bible says that Eleazar fought until the sword welded. One of the versions says, welded to his hand. I'm that way with a hoe in the garden. <laughs> and if you look at the word welded... Here, it also means that the sword clung to his hand. The sword adhered to his hand, stuck in his hand. Ephesians 6.17 tells us that the sword is the word of God. Which is part of the full armour of God. So I want to tell you this morning, we have this weapon in our armoury. A sword that we can use in any trials and conflicts and challenges that we face. Yes, we can use it to win battles for the Lord. If we cling to it, if we adhere to it, if we stick to it like Eleazar did. The Bible also tells us that the Lord honoured the faith and the courage of Eleazar and David by giving them a great victory. It was two men against an entire battalion, yet they were triumphant. And even though all of his friends were running away, going in a different direction, Eleazar stood his ground. He wasn't afraid to go against the flow. Last month I was reading about this a recent cross-country championship race held in America. Out on the course, 124 of 128 runners missed the turn and went off in the wrong direction. One competitor, a guy called Mike Del Cavill, who did the right turn, realised what was happening. 
So he began waving frantically, hey, you're going the wrong way, for his fellow runners to follow him. But he was only able to convince four runners to follow him the right way. When asked what his competitors thought of his mid-race decision not to follow the crowd, not to follow the other runners, Del Cable said this, they thought it was funny that I went the right way when it would have been far easier to go the wrong way. Today, friends, can I tell you, can I say to you, it takes courage to go the right way when everybody is going the other way. It takes courage to keep on going despite the laughter and the jeers that we get from bystanders. It takes courage to make a stand against the ways of this world and replace them with the ways of God. And I believe this morning that we have the courage to go against the flow here in this church. To stand up and to stand out for what is right. Today, are we going to be like uh, mighty in principle, like Eleazar? I've just got one more thing to say. What a mighty God we serve. The third one is, the last one is Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararit. And he was mighty in passion. Passion. I, I read this story about this guy called Jim Irwin. In 1971, he flew on the Apollo 15 spacecraft. And he was one of only 12 people to ever walk on the moon. He went into space, an agnostic, an unbeliever. but returned a passionate Christian. He left NASA and went on to form his own Christian mission. One of the things I was researching, one of the things was he found the location of the ark, of the ark, not the ark, the Noah's ark on Mount Ararat. He said these words when he came back from space. The entire space achievements program is put into proper perspective when one realizes that God walking on the earth is far more important than man walking on the moon. Passion. I love that passion. Shammah was full of passion. He was also used of the Lord to bring victory. Shammah knew who his enemies were. And the Bible tells us we have got to know our enemies. Well, Shammah recognized his enemy. And he realized this, that the Philistines were going to be a constant source of trouble to, go, to God's people. Just like the world will be to us in these days. So he risked his life to defend a field of lentils. How incredible is that? I'd understand it if it was a field of King Edward potatoes. <laughs> Or runner beans. I don't like them actually. You can have them. <laughs> Why would he do it? He did it because the land belonged to the Lord. And it was given to Israel to use for his glory. And Al Shammah didn't want any Philistines to control what belonged to the Lord. 
To defend the Lord to him meant that he honored God and God's covenant. Here's a thought. How many of us would do that these days? This morning, can I ask you the question? Will we defend what God has called us to do in this church? Will we defend what God has called this, this, this church to do here in our area? Think about it. Here stood a man of passion who stood in the middle of a field of lentils. I mean, who likes lentils? I know my wife does, but who likes lentils? <laughs> and defended it. He slew the Philistines and the roar, the Lord brought about a great victory. It wasn't much, just a piece of ground. No, many no, many, no one knows how many times the Philistines had already walked on it before. But nobody else bothered to defend it. You see, there was something different about Shammah. He was a man of passion. When the people all fled, something in him said, stand. When the people all ran, something in him said, fight. When the people all gave up, something in him said, press on. Shammah was a man of passion. I've just got one more thing to say. What a mighty God we serve. Today, we have looked at three of David's mighty men. If there is anything about these men, it is the fact that they were, certainly on the face of it, incredibly strong men. If they can single-handedly wipe out the enemy... They must have had some strength and ability. But where does that strength come from? How were these men able to prevail against such incredible odds? Well, the answer is found twice in our scripture reading today. In verse 10 and in verse 12 where it says this, The Lord brought about a great victory. Praise God. Amen. You see, God gave them the their strength. God gave them their victory. And they were able to stand strong by depending on, by relying on God. And so it is with us today. We must also stand strong in him. If we, if we are to see this church prevail over the next months and years. And can I say this morning, and this is on my heart, God is looking for a shammah in this church in these days. God is looking for an Esther to save his people in this church in these days. God is looking for a Saul of Tarsus who he can anoint with the power of the Holy Spirit to become a Paul the Apostle in this church, in these days. And God is looking for a plain, ordinary speaking fisherman like Simon, who became Peter, the, to, the, the evangelist to the world in this church, in these days. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap. 
before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Somebody has got to stand in the gap this morning. Somebody has to begin to pray because Jesus is coming back. And I tell you what, friends, if we don't reach out to our families, who's going to? If we don't reach out to our friends, who is going to? If we don't reach out to our co-workers, our neighbours, who is going to? I'll tell you who. Nobody. We're it. It's, it. It has got to be us. We're the ones. Our job is not to warm the chairs in this beautiful church. Our job is to reach out to our families. Our job is to reach out to our neighbours and workmates and friends, those who don't know Jesus. Today, we are the Shammah to our families. We are the Esther to our neighbourhood. We are the Eleazar who says, I'm not letting go of this situation until I win it for God. We're all their hope. We could be their only chance. We could be the only source of light that in their lives we'll ever get. To the natural eye, Shammah stood alone. Eleazar stood alone. Joshua Basabet stood alone. But let me tell you this morning, when we are with God, we are never alone. Eleazar plus God brought victory. Shammah plus God brought victory. Joshua Basabet plus God equal victory. This morning, I wonder what you plus God could equal. This morning, I wonder what your testimony plus God could do for someone's life. I wonder where the group would come back now, guys. Hello? You still there? Yeah. Thought I'd have to get the guitar out myself then. This morning, whether you're online, whether you're here with us, I want to bless you. Are you willing to stand in the gap and say, I'm not moving? Are you willing to stand in a worthless field of lentils and say, I'm not moving? Are you willing to stand in this church, stand at home online and say, I'm not moving? You know, it took a very special person to be one of David's mighty men. There wasn't that many of them. And yet I know today that God wants each one of us to be mighty in his kingdom. Is that you this morning? Online, is that you this morning? I'd like to finish with a prayer, but I'd like to bless you and say and tell you from my heart that you are mighty men and women of God. Don't ever forget that. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because you listen to what we say. You listen to what we do, Lord. 
And I know, Lord, that you never leave us. Lord, so we, I give you, Lord, our lives. And I ask, Lord, that you be with us, Lord, when we stand in that field of lentils. You be with us, Lord, when we stand on the streets in Poynton. You be with us, Lord, when we're talking to our friends and our neighbours, Lord. Because on our own, we can't do nothing. But with you, Lord, we can turn the, the waters back of the Red Sea. Lord, I just pray that you would bless everyone here this morning, Lord. Touch their lives, I ask this day. Amen. Bless you all.